Well, I want to take us this morning on a stroll through 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Our aim is not to draw out every insight in this incredible chapter, and there are many. Um, Instead, I really just want to touch on three things this morning from 1 Corinthians 12 that I believe have special meaning for us as a body right now. Uh, But before I go there, let me give you a little bit of background into Corinth because this letter was written to a specific people at a specific time and the, the specific situation was very important to them. Several years ago, I and a number of people from Christ's community had an opportunity to go to the ancient city of Corinth. This is one of the, the ancient temples that, would have, that was there uh, 2,000 years ago. Um, Corinth was one of the, the wealthiest and most cosmopolitan cities in the world 2,000 years ago. Uh, it was also home to a church that was planted by the Apostle Paul on his journey, his missionary journey, through Greece. Now, like all great cities, this has been true down through history, it's true today. Like all great cities, Corinth would have um, been home to people from polar opposites on the social scale. There would have been those who were rich and powerful and privileged, but it was also home to those who were poor, who were disenfranchised, who had very little or no rights or influence on, the, on society as a whole. And, and interestingly, the church at Corinth consisted of people from both ends of the spectrum. Uh, both ends of the spectrum. And, and as you can imagine, a church with that kind of disparity would have been ripe for division and disharmony, for uh, you know, things that clicks that would pull people apart, and, and it did. But there's no question that that's not the only thing that was uh, creating a problem of division in the body of Christ at Corinth. There were, there were also spiritual differences. It seems that some of them, uh, some of the people in that church were particularly fascinated with spiritual knowledge and power that grew out of ecstatic spiritual experiences. Others apparently uh, they weren't so fascinated with those kind of things. And, and so what happened is people began to, to judge one another. People began to, uh, to think of themselves as better than others because of who they were. They eventually even began to identify themselves with certain teachers who taught the things that they believed or shared their views. And before long, you had this group that was followers of Apollos, and they were critical of the followers of Paul. And the followers of Paul were critical of the followers of Apollos. And cliques and divisions and factions ravaged the community of faith at Corinth. That's one of the main reasons that Paul wrote this letter that we call 1 Corinthians. He wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians to set them straight. To help them to understand the way the body was meant to function. And it's interesting here that uh, the the image that he uses was a very common one, but a perfect one. He used as a metaphor for the church, the human body. Now the reason that the human body is such a great picture of the church is that it is at one and the same time both uh, one and many. It is, unit, it is a single unit, 
but it is made up of many, many different parts. We see this in verses 12 through 14 of chapter 12, where Paul writes, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the same spirit, the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So when we think of the human body, and and as well as when we think of the church as a body, uh, this is a beautiful picture of what we were meant to be. It is not a picture of of conformity. It's not a picture of conformity. Conformity would be unity without diversity. It's also not a picture of chaos or disorder. That would be a picture of diversity with no unity. Rather, the beauty and the power of the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, the community of faith, Whatever phrase or word we choose to define who we are in Christ, the beauty of it is that we are at the very same time one and many. We are united and we are diverse. The body is united in the sense that we are bound together because we are all brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. We are bound together because we share a common mission because we share a common identity as a people of God. And, probably, and certainly, more important than anything else, we are united because we share a common loyalty to a single Lord and Savior, which is Jesus Christ. That's what unites us. That's what makes us one. But at the same time, we are many. We are diverse. We come from different backgrounds. We, we, we bring different gifts, different personalities, uh, different racial and social backgrounds. Every part is different. And it is all of those differences that make us diverse as well. So how in the world does something that is both unified and diverse function? How does it function practically and effectively? Well, this is where I want to just touch on three insights. Again, there there are many insights in this chapter, but I just want to touch on three that I think are particularly important for us right now. And the first one is this, that God is the source and the designer. God is the source of all of our diversity, and he is the one who has designed it exactly the way it is. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 And 11, this is what he writes. Now to each one, the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. At this point, Paul goes into listing several gifts. I'm not going to read all the gifts, but he mentions several different gifts. But then he says this, all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit who gives them to each one just as he determines gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, let me flesh that out a bit. First of all, that means that every part is gifted. Every part is gifted. It says here, he gives them to each one. That means there is no part that does not receive 
uh, gifts, spiritual gifts in this, in this respect. Uh, and they are gifts to be received, not trophies to be earned. These are things that God has put in you, things that God has given you that are outside of yourself. They are gifts to you, and through you, they are gifts to the whole body. Now, some parts are more visible than others. And we may have a tendency to focus on the ones that are more visible. But let me just remind you that, again, the human body is an incredibly beautiful picture of this. Because there are certain parts of my body that you cannot see, my heart, my lungs, my liver, they are hidden. But what do we call them? Vital organs. They are vital. In fact, they are very vulnerable. They are very vulnerable. That's the reason God has placed them inside us and put ribs around them to protect them. Because if one of them stops functioning, the entire body goes down. We don't see those parts of our bodies, but they are there and they are vital to the whole. Some parts are more visible, other parts are hidden, but every part is vital. Every part is critical to the whole. What all that means to you this morning is that God believes in you. God believes in you and God has uniquely gifted you. And and I'm I'm using the word gift, but the truth of the matter is you're a whole package. You're not just spiritual gifts, your personality You've got your, your life background, your life experiences. You've got all the things that God has put in you to make you who you are. And you are indispensable to the body. God believes in you. In Psalm 139, the psalmist cries out, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This is true of every member of the body of Christ. Now, I will add briefly, I don't want to go into this in great depth because we spent 12 weeks talking about it earlier in the year, but we have been shaped not only by what God put in us, but we have also been shaped by other people and by the world in which we live. And not all of that is from God. Let's understand that parts of who we are have come out of pain and suffering and difficulty or failure. Uh, These are not the things that God put in you. These are the things that the world or people have distorted. And one of the main points that we talked about throughout that wholeness series is that the point of salvation is to restore to you what God intended when he knit you together in your mother's womb. For some of us, that means we've we've got healing we need to go through. For some of us, that means we need to be delivered from some strongholds that we've given the enemy in our lives or agreements that we've made with the enemy. But every one of us has been uniquely and wonderfully gifted for the sake of the whole body, for the benefit of the whole. The second thing is this, that different is good. Different is good. Diversity, if you think about this, Diversity is actually what makes each part indispensable. Think about that, what I just said. Diversity is what makes each part indispensable. If all of us were the same, then all of us but one would be unnecessary, right? The reason why each of us is indispensable is because each of us is different. Every one of us is unique. 
Every one of us has been designed by God for a specific purpose. That's what makes the body what it is. It is that diversity. Uh, diversity is also what makes the body beautiful and, 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 and effective and powerful. I mean, take a single cell organism. You know, a single cell organism, let's go to that next slide, uh, is, is a very limited organism. It's alive, it exists, but it has very, very few parts. And because of that, it's very limited in what it can do. It, it, it can do certain things, but it's very limited in what it can do. The human body is a complex organism with many, many, many parts, millions of parts, literally. We are made up of millions of parts, and all of those different gifts are what make the body powerful and strong and capable of many things, not just a few things or one thing. If the whole body, Paul says, were a hand or a foot or an eye, then what would we have? First of all, we'd have a really strange creature, right? Can you imagine a creature that is simply a foot or simply an ear or an eye? But it would also be a a creature that would be relatively useless. It It would have one purpose. It could do that one thing, but that's all it could do. The human body is made up of all these parts, and that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it effective. The body is, uh, the church of Christ, the body is exactly that. God has given all of us the differences that make us who we are. And if each of us embraces what God has given us and at the same time celebrates what God has given others and allows others to, to flourish and to bring their giftedness to the body, then we all benefit by the richness and the beauty of the body. The third thing here is that we need each other. We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, and then 24 through 25. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But God has combined the members of the body And has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts would have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. Um, We need each other. God made our bodies uh, with all of the parts to depend on all the other parts. This part works because hundreds of other parts are working to make it happen. We need each other to function completely. I I don't know about you, but um, I've heard dozens and dozens of sermons on 1 Corinthians 12. And almost every one of them has focused on the ways that God has gifted us. All of the unique things that God has given us in order to bless us and make us who we are. And there's a reason for that. That's a major thing that, that's a major point that Paul is making. It's an important point. But I believe that there's another point here that is just the other side of the same coin. And that is that if God has uniquely gifted us, if God has uniquely gifted me with certain spiritual gifts... By the same token, that means that there are some things he has not given me. 
He has not given me all the gifts. He has very intentionally, very purposely said, I will give you these gifts. I will not give you those gifts. Uh, let, let me, uh, I want to illustrate this for you for just a moment. I'm going to ask uh, an old friend to come up and join me uh, on stage. His name is Gary Hart. Come on, Gary. Now, a few of you may remember Gary from way back at the skate park at Christ's Community when we were down on Midtown Drive. Uh, Gary played a huge role in the skate park at Christ's Community back in those days, but Gary's still a part of our body. And uh, Gary actually has more than one gift. He can skate, but he can do something else as well. And um, Gary, I'm going to ask you uh, just to share, share your gift with us. And let me kind of move this out of the way, give you a little space here. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. Now, hang on, hang on for just a minute. Gary, don't leave quite yet. Um, I uh, Now, this is going to shock all of you, I'm sure. Um, but I, I can't dance like that. Um, you know, I mean, I saw Gary dance like that. And I said, Lord, I want to be able to dance like that. I want that gift, right? You know, you know what the Lord said to me? You know, I hear you hollering, but... Uh, let me, let me share with you what the Lord said to me. What the Lord said to me is, son, when it comes to dancing, you live right here. <laughs> That's as far as you go. You live right here. All right, maybe that was hitch. Um, but the point is, God did not give me that gift. And, and that's one of the beautiful things about the body. This, let, let, me, uh, let, me share, let me tell you this, brother. What does that say, by the way? Swag? All right. Now, that was not scripted. I wasn't planning on that. No, no, no. Don't start the music. Don't start the music. I can assure you that the hat does not give you the ability. All right? But the point of this is this. If all of us could dance like Gary, then Gary wouldn't be necessary, Right? I mean, here's the, here's the truth. If all of us could dance like Gary, you know what would really be true? We wouldn't appreciate dancing. We wouldn't value dancing. Because we, you know, we don't appreciate... Have you ever heard someone say, man, that guy is an incredible breather. I mean, I've never, I've never known anyone that breathed like that guy. No, we don't say that. Because if you're alive, you can breathe, Right? There's nothing special, unique about breathing. But when there is something that one of us can do that most of us can't do, that's what makes this gift beautiful. And that's what makes this gift valuable. And it reminds me, I need him. I need him. Thank you, Gary. Uh, you want to? I'll, I'll get that second service. So uh, here's what God says to me. I made Gary to dance. I made you for something else. 
If you will receive what I've given you and enjoy and be blessed by what I've given Gary, then that's the way the body of Christ is meant to function. Now, now some of you are probably thinking, yeah, okay, but what you just said a minute ago is my very problem. Because, see, I'm pretty convinced that what I can do, everybody can do. I'm convinced that my gifts are kind of like breathing. I mean, anybody can do what I do. I want to tell you, without question, that is not true. There's no one else who, even if it's a common thing, even if your gifts are fairly common, no one else can do it exactly like you. No one can bring it with the same anointing or the same grace as you can bring it. You are uniquely designed, not only with spiritual gifts, but with your personality, which is completely unique to you. No one else has your personality. No one else has the unique design that God has given you. And so you bring something to the body that that no one else can bring. I mean, I I can assure you that, you know, you see me here every Sunday But um, I have an assistant. Her name is Denise Stevens. Many of you know her, but many of you don't. But I'll tell you this. If it weren't for Denise Stevens, Monday through Friday, you wouldn't want to see me on Sunday. Denise keeps me from getting lost. Denise keeps me moving in the right direction. Denise uh, is a vital, vital part of what I do here. You may not see her. You may not know that she's even a part of our team, but she has a huge impact on me, what she does allows me to do what I do. Uh, This morning, before you got here, there were a handful of people, it wasn't a lot, but there were a handful of people who came into this sanctuary long before the service started, long before anybody but the worship team and, and the tech team and myself arrived. And you know what they did? They just walked through this room and prayed. They walked through the room and they prayed. You didn't see them? You may not, you didn't have any idea they were here. But I will tell you without question, it makes a huge difference. I can tell when people are genuinely, truly praying for God's presence. There's a difference in the atmosphere. There's a difference in what takes place here. And that's because these people that you didn't even know were here at 8.30 this morning were doing something that had huge benefit for the body of Christ. And I could go on and on and on. I could give you all kinds of examples of that. But let me just say this. God has made us diverse. God has made us different. God has made us male and female. We could spend a week talking about those differences, right? God has made us uh, introverts and extroverts. God has made some of us big picture and some of us detailed. God has made us young and old. Well, we weren't born old. God didn't make us old. But God has allowed some of us to get old. And God has brought new ones into the world to be young so that the body benefits from both the young and the old, right? God has made us red and yellow, black and white. God has made us military and civilian. Again, I could go on and on and on, but it is that diversity that makes the body of Christ beautiful and powerful. We need each other. Now, why am I sharing with this with you today? What, what's the motive behind this message? There are actually three motives. The first one is this. We just welcomed a brand new worship leader into our body. 
Dwayne Cresswell is our new worship leader. In case you haven't figured this out yet, Dwayne is not Jay, and Jay is not Dwayne. They are different, even though they have some similar gifts, even though they've been given gifts that are, are very, very similar in terms of music and, and worship. They are very different people. God called Jay to go start a new church in Angel Fire, and we released him with our blessings and great joy with, uh, with fully behind him. And God plopped Dwayne right into our laps over a year ago when we didn't even know we were going to need him. I think that's because God is going to do something incredibly wonderful in both Angel Fire and Christ's community. It's not a competition, Right? With God, God didn't operate on the scarcity principle. God operates on the abundance principle. Uh, we love Jay and who God made Jay to be, and we're, we love Dwayne and who Dwayne, God made Dwayne to be. And, and let's just say this. Let's be very, very transparent. When it comes to music, we have tremendously different preferences, right? That's one of the things about a church is uh, and, unless we all just have one, decide, one style and we all commit to that one style, and, and we do, that, that's one way you can do it, and that's okay, but that's not nearly as beautiful as a diverse style of worship. Things that are different. Different is good, right? Jay and Dwayne are different, and that's a good thing. I'm just going to say this out loud to disarm the enemy and to completely shut down any possibility of the enemy being at work here. Uh, Because we have strong preferences when it comes to worship style, some of us are going to love Dwayne right from the start. We're going to prefer Dwayne's style. Dwayne's more of a keyboard guy. We're going to love his style more than Jay's. But you know what? There are going to be others of us that miss that guitar. specifically the way Jay played it. Uh, No one else will play it exactly the way Jay played it. No one else will lead exactly the way. And there will be some of us who find ourselves longing for Jay. And and I just want to say to us this morning that um, God made them different for a reason. And we will be blessed if we receive what God has given us now. It, It will stretch us. It will take us into new places It will make us different, and that is a blessing to the body. That is a gift to the body. So I want to challenge us today. Let's don't go down the road of Corinth and begin to identify ourselves as followers of Jay or followers of Duane. We are followers of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. And, um, And let me remind us as well that the job of a worship pastor is not to please or to meet all of our preferential expectations. The job of worship pastor is to bring us into the presence of the living God. It is something that we come to give him. It's not here for our entertainment. Uh, The style of music is not meant to entertain us. But what we do in worship, it's going to have a style. I will tell you again that Dwayne is going to develop many, many different kinds of leaders. We'll still have a diversity of teams and leaders. But all of their roles, every Sunday, regardless of the style, the goal every Sunday is that they would bring us into the presence of the living God. And if we come with that heart, that desire, then we will be a people after God's own heart. Amen? 
The second reason I wanted to share this, this was actually the, the idea of bringing this message was born a few couple of weeks ago and in the aftermath of the call to awakening. The aftermath of the call to awakening. I mean, this year, uh, awaken is our theme. And we've had now two of these weeks of uh, fasting and prayer and then followed by uh, a week of bringing someone in to speak to us, to challenge us. We have been asking God to bring a fresh move of his spirit into our community. We've been asking God to open our eyes and help us to see things that maybe we're blind to. We've been asking God to give us new revelations of what he wants to do in and through us. We've been asking God to give us new revelations of who he is. And let me just say it this way. Whenever whenever the spirit begins to move, whenever the spirit begins to bring an awakening, there is an almost inherent tendency to believe that the awakening is going to result in all of us responding to God in the same way. Why in the world would we think that? Why would we think that a spiritual awakening would cause all of us to experience God's presence the same way and respond to God's presence the same way? If God has made each of us different, if each of us is unique, if each of us has a different personality, then we're going to respond to God out of who he has made us to be. And it will be different with every individual. See, that's one of the issues that the Corinthian church had. They, uh, Paul, and, and by the way, it's important to see this. Paul never, ever encourages them to stop seeking spiritual things. Even though it was creating tremendous div- division in the body, he never tells them, stop seeking spiritual things. But what he does say to them is this, stop judging one another for the way that this one responds or the, way, or the gifts that that one has receive each other and allow each other to freely respond to God in your own way. I just I need to say that because maybe some of you have, been, have felt a little bit of pressure like okay if the spirit is moving that means that we all respond in one particular way. That's never been the way we operate at Christ Community and we don't want to start that now. What we're saying is Lord come and move on each of our hearts and then bring us all together in a way that exemplifies the diversity and the beauty of who you have made your church to be. That means that if some of you are loud and expressive, we love that. We receive that. And that might make some of you uncomfortable, but you know what? That's part of what we do as a body. We, we celebrate the differences, right? Some of us are quiet, less responsive in external ways. And we don't judge that. We say that's who God made this one to be. The main thing is that we're all saying, Lord, I want more. I want more of you. I want more of your spirit. I want more of your life. I want more of your freedom to be who you made me to be so that others can be who you made them to be. So as we continue to pray for an awakening, as we continue to ask the Spirit to move in new and fresh ways, we do that without the expectation that we're all going to respond the same way. We celebrate the diversity in that regard as well. And then lastly, it's a part of our vision as a church to be a diverse community, to be a diverse community. I believe God is always calling us deeper and deeper into that life 
into the life of being a diverse community. And again, I'm going to be very, very transparent here. And I'll tell you this, that doing church in a way that limits diversity is tons easier than embracing diversity. You, you find people that look like you, that have the same background as you, that think the same way that you think, that listen to the same radio stations you listen to, shop in the same stores you, listen to, uh, you shop in, drive the same kind of cars you drive. You get with people who are just like you, and it's easy, it's comfortable. Because you know the language, you know the experiences, you can relate deeply on a personal level. But again, where's the beauty in that? Where's the diversity in that? Where is the richness in that? When we come together from different backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, bringing different gifts, different spiritual backgrounds, from Catholic to Pentecostal, It's what makes this body beautiful. It means that we must learn how to live together in diversity, but it's one of the most beautiful things that God has ever done with the church. I believe, I I really do believe this. I believe that a church that lacks diversity will always lack the richness and the beauty of what God made us to be. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, it's the things we've just been saying. Each of us, needs to embrace God's unique design for me and, as well, to celebrate the unique design of you. We all need to embrace the idea that different really is good. Different really is good. We all need to embrace the idea that we need each other. And let me, be, let me encourage us to be generous in expressing our gratitude for each other to regularly say to each other, I appreciate what you bring. I appreciate the gift that you bring. I appreciate who you are because we need you. We need you. But there is one more thing. And this, according to Paul, is the most important thing of all. Paul comes out of chapter 12 and he goes into chapter 13 and he spends an entire chapter talking about love talking about love. At the end of the day, it all boils down to love. The willingness to love one another in our differences. The willingness to love the diversity that God has brought to us and made us. It's love that makes it, that that gives us the, the essence of what we need to be what God called us to be. So I want to ask you, if you will, to join me in just reading together with one voice, reading together these incredible words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. Would you read it with me? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I'm going to ask our communion team to come and prepare the elements. This morning, we're going to close our service with Holy Communion. For all those who are serving, go ahead and make your way down. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to celebrate unity in diversity in the act of Holy Communion. One of the great and beautiful meanings of the symbol of Holy Communion is unity in diversity. You're going to come up and you're going to take one piece, but that piece has been broken from a single loaf. It represents unity in diversity. Now, I want to ask you, if you will, as they're preparing to serve us, I want to ask you if you'll take a moment just to bow your heads right where you are. It's important that before we come, we take some time to confess. And perhaps your confession this morning needs to center on the fact that you have not embraced who God made you to be. You've been living in envy of others. You've wanted to be someone you're not. You've wanted what others have, who they are. Perhaps you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for forgetting that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Or perhaps you've had a hard time loving or respecting or receiving others who are very different from you. And you need to confess this morning that, Lord, I I really have, I, I have failed to love people who are different. Forgive me. Help me to love those who are not like me. Perhaps there's one person that you're thinking of you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness of. I want to ask you right where you are to take a moment to just pray and confess to the Lord whatever it is that you need to confess. Now hear the good news. The word of God says that if any man confess his or her sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Receive it. Receive it. Now I want to invite you to come and celebrate Holy Communion. Come with a heart that rejoices in who God has made you to be and who God has made us to be. Come celebrating both the unity and the diversity of God's church. Now, I do want to say there are people here as well that are ready to pray with you. And I want to say to you, if you've come this morning with any kind of need, if you've come bearing a burden, there are people here who are ready to pray with you. They're here behind the altars. Just come directly to them. 
and they would love to pray with you this morning and to lift up your need before the Lord. Others of you may want to just come and spend some time kneeling at the altars and and spending time with God here. That's fine. Feel free to do that. But all of you are invited to come and receive communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're welcome. And if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, if if you've never trusted Christ as Lord, then today would be a great day to come and let one of these people up front pray with you and help you to walk into a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And let's begin to respond as the Lord leads you. Come when you're ready. Respond the way that you need to respond this morning as we worship him in communion.